Blog Talk Radio. The following show is a proud member of the ShowDoc Network. Learn more about this show and other great shows by logging on to ShowDoc.com. This week's episode of System Showdown is sponsored by Blog Talk Radio, the sports docket. And by Certain Promises. Tim Cook promises great stuff to come. Welcome to System Showdown with Quas and John. Tune in to hear John, a Mac lover, go head-to-head with Quas, a Windows addict, to find out which system makes the grade. Presented by ShowDoc.com. Time to talk some technology. Hello and welcome to the System Showdown on Blog Talk Radio. This is episode 61 for Wednesday evening, February 27, 2012. Tonight we'll be discussing the top tech issues of the week and we'll be covering a lot of smartphone topics as well. We are coming to you live tonight from the three, from at least three boroughs of New York City uh, in Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island, New York. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ethan, the PC guy. Plus, the PC guy. Mm-hmm. And I am John, the Mac guy, as always. Hi, guys. I'm William. I'm still working on my title here. I don't think I've been assigned one as of yet, so I'll just let the guys decide what they want to call me on this one. And I'm coming to you from Staten Island, joining my showdog buddies here for another system showdown here tonight on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Yeah, beautiful, mm-hmm. definitely. And uh, we can either call you the moderator or the referee because uh, the last couple of weeks without you, Ilya, John and I have been getting pretty heated on the air. So, uh it's it's good to have somebody in the middle who's, who can uh, kind of uh, uh, handle the question. So thank you for well, joining us. Absolutely, I'm glad glad to be here for you know whatever you guys want to call me the moderator referee. I think the best part about it is that I really don't have a preference. I'm open to trying anything and everything as long as it's comfortable for me. So I think I'm going to be the uh, the voice of reason tonight. Thank you, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, and speaking of reason, we want to hear uh, any reasoning from our, from our listeners as well. During the show, you can uh, call us at 347-426-3903, or you can IM us on Gabber Chat. Uh, if you prefer to message your queries, you can IM myself at um, Ethan Quasman at Jabber.org, or, or uh, the Mac guy, John, at Shiber at jabber.org or Ilya, the moderator, the referee, whatever you want to call him, uh, at IlyaArbit at jabber.org. In addition, you can also leave us a voicemail, send us a text during off-show hours with any comments or questions or any remarks by calling or texting us at 315-497-SHOW. That's 315-497-7469. Be sure to text with a system showdown or SS before your text or call. And, John, we've got a lot to cover tonight. It's been a busy week in technology news, and uh, we've got a lot on our plate. And uh, we also have a special segment coming back half of the week. Uh, our listeners don't want to miss that towards the end of the show. Right, John? Oh, yeah. we got some really great stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about some amazing stories. As you mentioned before, we're going to be talking a lot about mobile. Uh, it's a, We could say that it's a mobile-themed show, but... Uh, let's just go with it. Uh, some of the stories we're going to be covering tonight include uh, like one of the more interesting stories that I've seen. Uh, people may remember HP bought out Palm and then subsequently killed it. So now they're planning on selling it to a CERN television company. This could get interesting. Also, big news from Google. They've announced a brand new fancy Chromebook. We'll give you the rundown of it and let you know if it's worth editing or skipping. Also, the New Yorker claims that Apple has fallen from grace. We'll tell you how accurate that analysis is, and we'll give you our personal thoughts on it. Barnes Noble is suffering major losses at its Nook division of e-readers. We'll be talking about how this could affect the big box book chain and how this could affect the future of reading. And finally, as Claus said, we have a wonderful segment for App of the Week coming up with a very special theme that you'll just be shooting for, if you know what I mean. we got some great topics tonight. I'm excited. You excited, guys? 
Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you want to talk about first, gentlemen? Uh, Let's get into this Chromebook before we get into the smartphone stuff. Excellent. Um, uh, John, this Chromebook, uh, is this a a realistic possibility that it's going to compete with the the, the computer device that 99% of personal computer people uh, have in Windows? (laughs) Well, it comes down to the thing. Like, if you look at the Chromebook, it's a beautiful machine. Uh, I'm going to be biased, of course. I'm just going to put it out there. It looks a lot like a MacBook Pro you know, or MacBook Air for that matter. It looks like it has Apple design language on it, and it's a Google product. It's beautiful. But the killer feature, there's two killer features that I just want to mention about this Chromebook. It has a gorgeous display. It's, first of all, it's a touchscreen, you know? Like, who doesn't want a touchscreen laptop? you got to admit that's just pretty cool in itself. That, and they say it has a very high-density display, uh, which I'm pretty sure is even higher density than the Retina MacBook Pro. So it definitely has that going for it. And the other thing that makes this uh, laptop or notebook very unique is that it runs on Google's own home-based Chrome OS, which, well, we really don't know too much about yet. It's pretty much simply a browser. It's Google's Chrome browser, and it's its real uses for web applications, because after all, 90% of what most people do on the web is through a browser. And, you know, that's all right, because that's just the way it's moving. We're going into the cloud, and Google's preparing for that with its Chromebook. I think it's, like, if there's more software that gets... John, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) All right, all right, what? (laughs) Who invented the cloud? Was it Google or Apple with their iCloud? (laughs) Well, like, it, it comes out to the thing, like, the cloud is a marketing term. The cloud doesn't actually mean anything. When you're talking about the cloud, you're talking about your having your data stored in some server room out in North Carolina or something, you know? The cloud isn't actually a thing. It's just off-site storage, you know? But cloud computing has become a really big deal nowadays because of the capabilities that we have. Like, look at how popular Spotify is, where people are willing to pay a premium membership fee and not own any of their music at all. And it's great, you know, because it allows you to have, like, more free space on your devices and keep everything elsewhere. But then again, it could also be disastrous. Look at all the times that Amazon servers go down and, uh, then sites are inaccessible. The cloud is great until it malfunctions, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I hear what you're saying. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, but let's talk more about this Chromebook and how much, it's gonna, how much is it going to cost. Uh, and uh, um, it's pretty astronomical, right? Well, as far as the price, I, I don't have the price sheet in front of me, but if you guys want to check out on The Verge, they have the prices, and I think if you go to Google's Chromebook page, they definitely have the prices. But it's very expensive for what you're getting. Even though it's like this is brand new technology, it's just not ready yet for the consumer market. So the price, I want to say it's around 1300 for the basic Wi-Fi-only version, and then you could pay 1450 to get the cellular version. But uh, it comes down to this thing, a MacBook Air that has similar uh, specifications clearly doesn't have things like a touch screen or anything, but that goes for around 1100 And that's what people are really comparing it to, uh, the MacBook Air versus this new Chromebook Pixel. And, yeah, I, like, Google is pushing the envelope. You know, they're going in the right direction with this. I could definitely see this kind of machine being the future of notebook computers. I just don't think the technology is there yet in order to justify that price. Wow. Mm -hmm. And and also you mentioned that uh, it's touchscreen, right? It is. That's the killer thing about it. I just want to mention that. It has, like, it looks like a regular laptop, but it has a touchscreen. So you could interact with whatever's on the screen. You could move your finger to scroll. You could tap to click. It's like using a tablet, but it's like, it, it's in ways it's very similar to the Microsoft Surface, which I'm sure you guys are very familiar with. You know that it's trying to replicate. Which I'm looking forward to. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure you are. Like, have you played with a Surface yet? I'm still want to get my hands on one. 
but there's no Microsoft I, I store. I have a Microsoft store yet, John. So. Where is that Microsoft I, I've, uh, I've actually played with a Surface. Uh, my, one of my family members actually owns a Surface. They bought it when it just came out. And uh, it's actually quite fun. It's pretty much Windows 8 except in a tablet form. And it's really funny because you can't really call the Surface a tablet in the traditional sense that we are we know it as. Um, right. Because to me, tablets were similar to what the Android-based tablets were that I used in the past. But this is so different. First of all, it usually uh, the, the best option, I think, for anybody who's interested in getting a Surface, the idea is to get that, that uh, keyboard, the keyboard cover. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It works very well, and it even has a little tiny uh, touchpad, so you can actually use it pretty much like a computer. And, you know, it has a USB port. It has pretty much everything that you can possibly need, a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, I think the only thing that's missing is actually having some kind of data connection to uh, a service because it's made by Microsoft. But other than that, it works exactly like a computer. It has a desktop. It has the, the Windows 8 start menu kind of thing. And, uh, you know, when I was using it, it's very streamlined. It's it's kind of very user-friendly. And, you know, it, from a tablet perspective, it was very easy to use. Much easier in my in my view than using a any of the Android tablets, which are, you know, take some a learning curve to really get into. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Like, I've used Android tablets before. They are ridiculous as far as uh, the user interface, and uh, it's definitely not there yet, but I could definitely see Microsoft Surface pushing that in the right direction. As much as I dislike the whole Windows 8 start menu thing they've got going on, I could see it being very well used on a tablet form factor, and... uh, but like the thing, like I was just that's the thing. That the interface, the interface actually works a lot better on a tablet based, you know, with a touch screen than it does on something that is a non-touch screen. Because there are certain things that you would do that work a lot well. One of my friends actually just the other day um, got a Windows 8 computer, uh, just a regular laptop, and it is yeah. so difficult to use because that interface is just not made for a traditional computer approach. I think it does need that touch screen capability. It does need that ability to really move things around with your finger as opposed to just doing it with a mouse pad like we're used to. There are people who are still buying Windows products. Well, I'll admit, like it's the thing though, Windows is evolving. And it's a good evolution, you know. I played with Windows Phone before. I think it's all right. I think there are some people who would really enjoy using Windows Phone and it's you know, matches what we have now as far as the competition from Apple, Google, BlackBerry, you know. It's on well, par. Well, John, John, before uh, before Quasman uh, here gets really excited about the fact that people are buying Windows products, uh, just to point out quickly, uh, I, I did mention it's my friend, but let me clarify that. It was actually yeah. my friend's mother who purchased the computer, and it was actually because she does work on it, so she needed something very basic. My friend, however, is looking to buy a brand new Mac. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, so you know, keep in mind, there's a whole generational gap, and maybe that kind of plays into it. So, before we think about, you know, oh look, people are still buying PCs. Uh, no, they're actually leaning towards Macs, but sometimes Macs are just out of their price range, and that's, you know, that's another thing that's stopping a lot of people from investing in a Mac which I personally think has a much friendlier, user-friendly interface than Windows does, uh, but they're not buying it simply because of, yeah. of the cost, simply because of the, the cost that it takes to really buy a computer, and it's just more cost-effective to buy a PC or a laptop for, say, I don't know, $200 as opposed to putting down $2,000 on a laptop. Yeah, also, as I mentioned one thing, going back to Surface for a second, John, unfortunately, like all Windows products, um, which I admit, uh, there are there, there, they did find a bug with the Surface Pro. There was a auto brightness bug. This is the latest news uh, from uh, expert reviews. Microsoft is scrambling to address another software bug. It's Windows 8-based Surface Pro tablets. Following reports that the device's automatic brightness control malfunctions, so that's not good at all. Well, wait, what not, kind of malfunction? Is it like blinding people or something? Like getting too bright and scalding their eyes or something crazy like that? Or is something like, how could it be, you know? Like what kind of malfunction are we talking here? I think battery uh, power. 
Remember, oh, yeah. auto brightness steals the battery power. As soon as the auto brightness fails, it'll essentially put your put your um, tablet at full blast on the brightness, and your battery will just be cut in half. So people who continually use their tablets for playing games and things like that, hey, they're going to get heat because the more that the brightness is on, the, the hotter the screen is going to get. And B, their battery power is just going to be completely dead after using it for maybe three or four hours. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, Elliot, the, the moderator, got that right. Uh, he's right on there. Uh, because of poor battery life, um, there's a, the problem is that the automatic brightness control that appear, appears to go haywire, causing the screen to flicker repeatedly rather than smoothly increasing and decreasing the brightness in response to changes in ambient light levels. And according to bug reports filed by users, this flaw can occur at any time and happens even when the automatic brightness setting is disabled, pointing to a more fundamental problem. So this is something that uh, Microsoft has to work on fixing if they want to they want to increase sales for the Surface Pro uh, and want to increase to uh, want to get better reviews because uh, it's not good to have these bugs in in these new devices, right, John? Oh well, yeah, I agree. But it comes down to the thing, though, you know, like. Uh, uh, it's expected at this point. You know, if you're going to be shipping millions of units of a brand-new product that you're just experimenting with, there's bound to be some bugs. So I don't blame Microsoft for this at all. I mean, look at, like, I'm on to talk. Look at the whole thing with Apple and AntennaGate with the iPhone 4. I want to say it was the iPhone 4, with that whole thing where if you held it a certain way, it would cut off your call, you know? That was a bug. This is a minor annoyance, you know? Because... Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned antenna gate, but let's mm-hmm. not forget Apple Maps. Okay, yeah, Apple like, Apple Maps was a complete disaster. That wasn't a bug. That was just a terrible product. And now that Google Maps is out on the App Store, you don't have to worry about Apple Maps anymore. And let's not talk about that anymore because I don't even want to think about Apple Maps because <laughs> as much as I love Apple, it's a disaster. Like, right, but that but you can't exactly call that a bug. That was not a bug. That was just releasing a product that wasn't done. And, you know, it's one thing if something comes out with bugs, I can understand that. You know, a, a, a production cycle where you're working on a lot of things and here or there you might miss something in a particular situation that might happen. But what I don't like is what happened with Apple Maps. Is essentially Apple saying, hey, we can do what Google has been doing for 10 years and we can do it in about, I don't know, one-tenth of the time, and you put out a product that just was complete crap, and they marketed it as a, a great alternative to Google Maps, which it absolutely was not. Anybody who's had experience using Apple Maps knows what a disaster it was and, and how difficult it was to get it to find things. And, you know, not just that, besides the fact that all the people who are talking about, oh, uh, it's not giving us the right directions, it's pointing people into the wrong places, so that was just a total disaster because Apple rushed the product without actually doing the proper checks and balances that should be done before a product is released. Mm-hmm. True, true. Like, it's terrible, though, because Apple had a real chance, you know, considering that Apple Maps, Apple Maps is bundled on every single device that ships. They could have had a really good product if they just left Google Maps for a little bit on there still and develop their own mapping product, and then just release it in the App Store for people to try, you know? Like, uh, they could have done something great, because Apple's revolutionized many, many industries, and I guess Maps won't be one of them, you know, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, it's funny, because like you said, they had the opportunity. Now, if they were smart, they would have just sat there and learned from Apple. What they ended up doing was just saying, okay, we're done with Google. Uh, I'm sorry. They could have learned from Google on their map service. They could have learned how they do it. They could have learned the approach, and they could have adapted. But instead, what do they do? They cut their ties with Google altogether, and they say, oh, we're going to do this on our own. And, and if you do that, you're you're bound to run into some kind of trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll admit that. They pretty much shot themselves in the foot with that one. Because uh, it like, – uh, Take an example from what happened with YouTube, though. Apple originally designed the first YouTube app for iOS devices, and then they quietly removed it in iOS 6, and Google released their own YouTube application a couple months later. No harm, no fuss, and it went smooth. With this, this was a complete disaster. Why did Apple even need their own mapping solution? You know, like, I'll admit, 
Google Maps is the best by far. Everything else is terrible. If you try Bing Maps or Nokia's Maps or MapQuests, they are awful compared to what Google Maps has. And it's insane, you know, because Google practically has a monopoly on its mapping product. I don't know if monopoly is the correct word, but it certainly feels like it, you know, because there's really nothing that could even come close. And sure, other map services have their perks. With Bing Maps, there's this really great aerial view. Like, I'm not sure if you guys ever played with it, but uh, I'm not sure if you guys ever played with Bing Maps with the bird's eye view. Have you ever tried that out, Quaz? Because you're the Microsoft guy. I'm sure you've tried Bing Maps before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Have you tried out the bird's eye view, where if you, like, type in the address and then you click on bird's eye, you see, like, four different angles of any location you want taken from photos from a plane, you know? And it's really cool. And from satellite or no? Is it from satellite? It's not a satellite. These were taken from an actual airplane. Someone in an airplane with a camera, like, took, like, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go to Bing, right? I I can't believe I'm telling people to go to Bing. Oh, my life. Uh, Go to Bing Map. I think it's maps.bing.com, and check out Bird's Eye View. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, they released this a few years ago, and not many people even know about it. But go to maps.bing.com. And then type in an address, and then click on Bird's Eye View. And you'll see, you'll blow your freaking mind, you know? I'm typing your address. (laughs) Yeah, type in my address. Okay, do not tell people where I live. I don't want our fans coming here, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like do, like do something like the White House or something, and you'll see how cool it is, you know. Then again, don't do the White House. You might get on like a terrorist list or something. Oh, gosh. But yeah, like the point I'm trying to make before we totally tangented off that is Apple shot itself in the foot when it comes to this mapping ordeal, and the whole. I mean, how do you see the bird's eye view? You go to Zoom. No. Uh, like, uh, I, I, there should be something that says, uh, hold on, actually, I'm going to check right now. There should be, uh, let's see, if you go to, uh, I, hold on, I went to Google oh, Maps. Bird's eye. Let's see. Yeah, bird's go eye. Bird's Eye, go Bird's Eye. I went to Google Maps by mistake. I am terrible at this. <laughs> like, I typed in Maps, and all Maps, we can please the Google Maps. Wow. Because let me try. Yeah, you go Bird's Eye. See where it says Bird's Eye on top? Oh, wow. You go yeah, isn't it really cool? I could, that's one of my favorite features. Uh, but what else is there? Because, like, I met, I, uh, people forget there were a bunch of, uh, let's see, there was a bunch of great mapping services that were around uh, before Google pretty much went and said, uh, no, we're going to get you. You know, we're going to beat you. We're going to beat the competition. Because uh, I don't know if anyone has heard of it. Have you ever heard of A9 Maps? Well, I'm pretty sure it's A9 Maps from Amazon. Amazon has its own mapping pro- program called A9 Maps. Yeah, here we go. This is 2005. If you don't believe me, Amazon had its own mapping product. That actually was seen as really big competition for Google Maps. And it didn't work out. Amazon pretty much neglected it. It had this really cool thing called Every Block. I want to say it was called Every Block or Block View or something like that. It was just like Street View with Google today, and it was really cool. But, you know, back to the point that I was trying to make. It comes down to the thing where products are going to be released with bugs. It's inevitable. And I don't blame Microsoft at all for this brightness bug. At least it's easily fixable with software update, you know. Antennagate was a hardware thing which is very difficult to fix, you know? I think Apple actually ended up giving out free bumper cases to people. But, yeah, I digress. You know, do you have any thoughts on this cause? Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts? Any thoughts? I, I just want to mention to our listeners that uh, uh, Ilya, who we call in our moderator, had to run off to uh, an emergency assignment. So if we hope that everything works out with him, 
and uh, it'll just be John and I the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So enjoy the program. Oh, yeah, but we got some great stuff coming up, though, right? We got a half hour left, and we're going to be talking some really cool stories. Isn't that right, Quaz? Uh, <laughs> that is right. Um, we're also going to talk about um, Tim Cook's sexual orientation. Is that right, John? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cook's questionable sexual orientation. And it's funny you bring that up because there actually is a – if you go to the Mac Rumors front page right now, apparently – Apple was part of a list of companies that signed some kind of, like, uh, here we go, Apple among 60 companies to file statement with the U.S. Supreme Court backing gay marriage, which, let's be honest here, it's, a, it's not a surprise when your CEO is rumored to be on the other side of the street. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, I, I, I remember there was, a, I think it was called Out Magazine, there was some kind of gay publication, I like guess, uh, a publication that's catered towards gays, so catered towards people who are gay. Uh, the terminology is so confusing. There's uh, this uh, publication catered towards people who are gay called Outmatch. They name the most powerful gay uh, businessmen, which I think is fabulous. He hasn't confirmed it, and I don't think that's so bad. It's becoming more and more accepted nowadays. And I we're kind of crossing over into legal DACA territory here, which is pretty funny. As yeah, we are. Because, yeah, if you want, you want to see the story, you go to Mac Rumors. It's Apple among 60 companies to file a statement with the U.S. Supreme Court backing gay marriage, which is, you know, fabulous. Fat, fabulous. Uh, but, yeah, it's great that Apple's doing this. And my favorite thing about this is they have the, app, the rainbow Apple logo on the page about this, you know, because uh, you know the rainbow is symbolized in the gay community, right? Yeah. It yes. has a certain has a certain significance, isn't that right? That is right, Quaz. I'm John. I'm Quaz now. Hey, look at me. I'm Quaz. What do you see, guy? I love windows. Ah. Yeah, that's that's, you, that's what you sound like, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, uh, are we gonna move on to the next story, or what are we doing now? Yeah, let's move on uh, to. Um... Our first, our initial first story, which was going to be uh, about um, a Palm HP uh, selling uh, Web OS. Because mm-hmm. it's funny that this happened, you know, because, like, you want to conceal this one a little bit if you want me to tell backstory on this. Yeah, give a little backstory so for those who don't know where. Mm-hmm. This, this is a smartphone story. Oh, yeah, it's a very smartphone story, you know, very, very smartphone story. But it's amazing, like, I guess it's kind of smart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's, let's put it this way. It starts as a smartphone story, a smartphone success story, actually. And then it gets very bleak in the middle, and then there's some light at the end of the tunnel at the end. So I'll just give it to you straight. Palm Computing, an amazing little company, as you know, they're not, they were known for the Palm Pilot, which was a you know a device that you know changed like changed how technology works pretty much. It showed people that you could be anywhere and have everything with you on one device. This was before smartphones were popular, so they popularized the Palm Pilot. Later on, Palm was having difficulty competing with Apple, Google. BlackBerry, all these other companies are going on to their stakes. So they already had their own smartphone line, the Treo. And from there, they realized our old software isn't going to work. We've been using the same software since the 1990s. We need to do something new. Enter WebOS. Tom created WebOS for use on their newer phones, the Pre, the Pixie, and it got, you know, all right reviews. People said it had a lot of revolutionary features. Unfortunately, it didn't really catch on, and Palm found itself in trouble. HP eventually bought it, good old Hewlett-Packard, and they said they were going to use the technology to make a tablet. They did. By the way, I love HP printers. I have one myself that's wireless, and it works like a charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, HP um, makes great printers, great printers. Mm-hmm. Like, HP originally made some really good computers, too, I remember. Uh, do, the like, HP printers, do the HP printers work the same with uh, Mac computers? It's not, there's no difference, right? No difference. I'm pretty sure they uh, most, if not all, 
HP printers work with Windows and Mac, which is fabulous. And Linux, too, for the Linux guys out there. That's a funny thing you mentioned that, because a lot of times these big PC manufacturers don't actually make, like, they don't supply drivers for Linux. They have to make their own, pretty much. Like, Linux users have to find a driver that fits it. And that's why, correct me if I'm wrong, Linux heads, because I know we got some big Linux fans out there, die-hard Linux fans. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to the thing where uh, it's very, like, one of the main drawbacks of Linux is that you have a lot of driver issues. It doesn't work with a lot of your devices, keyboard drivers, display drivers, printer drivers. But, yeah, I totally digress, though. I'm sure there's some Linux-compatible printers out there that work flawlessly out of the box. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, what are we talking about? Like, somehow we got into printers. <laughs> We're talking about South Korea. South Korea? All right. Wait, wait what? We're talking about South Korea? Oh, I must have missed that. Wow. Uh, okay, about South Korea. What about South Korea? <laughs> yeah, but as Julius Packard said on Monday, it would sell the WebOS operating system, which is a, which is redundant, WebOS, mm-hmm. to South Korea's LG... Electronics Incorporation. Ah, oh, I know they're South Korean. I never knew that, actually. Yeah, yeah, it, the, like, South Korea is a good Korea, right? That's, that's a non-nuclear one, yeah. A non-nuclear one, yeah, they're the nice ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, fun fact, LG st- stood for Lucky Gold Star, which is a funny name for a company, so they just made LG instead. But... Uh, Apparently, LG said they're going to be using WebOS in their televisions because they're going to be making these smart TVs. So they're going to be taking a smartphone and tablet operating system and using it in televisions, which is fabulous. Like, it's great to see LG picking up the pieces where HP failed so much with Tom. And like, let's talk about the terms of the agreement, because they're very interesting, actually. Oh, yeah? Try me. Um, LG acquires the operating software's source code. That's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, associated documentation, engineering talent, various associated websites, and licenses. I, I love license agreements, don't you? They're so long. Oh, yeah, so much. <laughs> Actually, I, I tried reading through. I, I downloaded Adobe. Did you recently download the update to Adobe Flash? I think I did. Why? Because have, have you ever read their license agreement? It's about 100 pages long. Uh, it comes back to the thing. Is, is Adobe really expect people, or any company for that matter? I know Apple, Microsoft, all these companies are guilty of this. Do they really expect people to sit down and for hours read this licensing agreement? No. You know, but it's a safeguard for lawyers who say, you know, all right, you need to put this in there if you want to be able to do these things. It's a legal thing. But it's ridiculous, though, you know? <laughs> like, uh, I hate to bring up South Park, but you ever see that episode of South Park where they make fun of Apple's licensing agreements with iTunes? You didn't read it. Why didn't you read it, you know? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I digress, though. Because <laughs> it, it, it's ridiculous, though, those licensing agreements. Have you ever sat down that right licensing agreement? I, I started reading the Adobe Flash one, and then I got bored. So. Well, you fell asleep? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, do you want to hear a funny story, actually? Have you ever, like, there's a story. Like, this is actually a pretty cool story. There's this software program called, I want to say... It's called PC Pit Stop. And in their licensing agreement, about like near the end, they hit a little message saying, uh, a special consideration, which may include financial, financial compensation, will be awarded to a limited number of licensees who read this section and contact PC Pit Stop. So, yeah, they, they had this little thing in their licensing agreement that said, if you read this, we will give you money. And it took like three months before someone said, hey, uh, this here says if I contact you, you'll give me money. Can I have some money? Yeah, like it's a great story if you want to check it out. If you search for PC Pit Stop 
EULA, the End Use License Agreement. It's actually a pretty funny story. Yeah. But it, it pays to read licensing agreements because you never know what you're going to find in there, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, how do we even get on that? The uh, point is, uh, let's see, somehow we got on. We went to the, from, like, license agreements to printers to HP and Palm. <laughs> but, yeah, point that I try to make is, like, uh, would, question, though. Would you buy a smart TV? I would. Oh, yeah, well, how about this? Like, what would you want to see in a smart TV in order to make it work? What features would you want your television to do in order for you to say, that is so cool, I need this in my house right now? Uh, Like, you want to know some of the features that they have right now on these newer smart televisions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, my favorite one is built in right into the television. You could access things like Netflix, Hulu, on-demand services, YouTube. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of them have web browsers. And you get, like, content delivered to you because, like, it's a smart television. It has Wi-Fi built right in, which is fabulous. Uh, And it allows you to connect, because my favorite part, it allows you to connect onto your home network. So if you want to stream stuff from your computer or your server onto your television, it's easy-peasy. And you get right and get done right there without having mm. to move and just, you know, mm. stream it right to your television, which is awesome. Mm. That does but, sound awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, I really want one, you know, because uh, it comes down to think Apple and all these other companies who are making set-top boxes are making a killing from selling these little set-top boxes or people with televisions. Mine did Apple TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, Apple TV, Roku... Uh, Google, like what was it, the Nexus Q? There's a couple of the. Uh, there's a few actually now that are really popular. I'll stand there saying, "Hey, you can't do that. Why would you want to plug in a box into your television? We want the television to be what you want. You don't need no stupid box." And they just build it right in, which is fabulous. And you know, it's I I really can't wait to see how far smart TVs come, and I really am looking forward to what LG is going to do with this Palm acquisition, or what's left of Palm anyway. Because like I loved Palm like back in the day when it was still relevant, and I feel very really sad to see it go. But it's good to know that what they worked on so hard is now being recycled. You know, who knows? We might see it again soon enough. I'd love to see a Palm TV, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, you might want to check. Seamless? Wait, what are we doing? Seamless? <laughs> what are we doing? What about seamless? Wait, what, wait, what are we talking about seamless? Like, you mean the food service? Yeah, seamless is, um, according to Reuters, uh, is going to top t- mm. $100 million in revenue this year, mm. according to the CEO. That's, uh, That's fabulous. Have you ever ordered on Seamless? I have the app. You ever use it? Barely. Uh, well, you barely. Like, uh, have you ordered anything through it, or do you just like looking at menus? Looking at menus, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I've ordered from there twice, actually, and uh, from different restaurants around here, and it's great. You know, instead of having to call up and potentially get something wrong. You have everything. You could save your favorites. You could rate stuff. I'm getting hungry. I want to look on Seamless right now. We're totally not paid by Seamless, by the way. Yeah. With Seamless, you could get hundreds of restaurants delivering to your door. Uh, Yeah, but I love Seamless, so you could order from Because, like, they have sales, too. You get, like, 10% off every now and then, which is great. Yeah, and... um... And Grubhub, which is heard of Grubhub? I've heard of Grubhub. Grubhub is a competitor, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. They're, they're actually Seamless's main rival. Mm-hmm. They hired banks late last year for a possible initial public offering in 2013. This year, the company's revenue is roughly half that of Seamless, which posted about 60 million in sales in 2011. So, um, and uh, well, that's that's pretty impressive. That means Grubhub has thirty million dollars in sales. Yep. Wow. 
I should have gotten me a website where people could order food. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it comes down to the thing though. Like why oh, they rest- uh, over thirty percent of mobile order volume comes from Seabus's iPad application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guilty. Mm-hmm. I've used their iPad app before, and it's really, mm-hmm. it's cool, you know, because it allows you to search for food and whatever, and they get it delivered, which is great. And, yeah, I really like it a lot. And, like, the main weakness that I've seen with Grubhub is they don't have an iPad app, to my knowledge. They have an iPhone app, but there's no iPad app. That it's might be mistaken. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, I think it's great, you know, like, because uh, it comes down to the thing, I'm pretty, like, don't quote me on this, but I think the first chain restaurant to do online food ordering was Papa John's Pizza. I'm pretty sure they were the first to do internet ordering back in, like, the ni- early 1990s. And it comes down to, like, uh, these big chains could build a whole online ordering system, but for little restaurants who want to do it, it's very hard to do. That's where Seamless comes in. It allows – Seamless is a middleman. They take care of all the billing and the processing and keeping the menus up and keeping the menus on their site. The restaurant just has up the food, and you just have to worry about paying. That's it. They take care of everything else, which is great. You know, sometimes you need a middleman. You agree? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's a great story, though. Where did you see that? You said you mm-hmm. saw it on the Reuters, right? Reuters, not Reuters. I meant to say Reuters. Yeah. Like, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Reuters? Like, is this a gardening website or something? Reuters? <laughs> well, Hooters. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hooters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, great. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, moving on now. What do we want to move on to next? I know coming up real soon we're going to be doing a very special segment. But uh, we got about a few minutes or so. We got time to tell story? Yes, let's get into um, a story that I'm uh, looking forward to talking about, which is about Apple maybe losing their their momentum. Uh, the New Yorker released an analysis of Apple's fall from grace. Apparently, Apple is losing its cool and other companies are doing a better job making the kind of phones that customers want. Let's discuss that, John. Um, how is Apple falling from grace? Is it, a, is it maybe a, uh, a relapse from losing Steve Jobs um, uh, and uh, new ownership, or is that not really a factor? Um, well, it's going to be difficult for me to say this, but yeah, I really do think that a lot of what Apple did was because of Steve, you know? And with Steve Jobs at the helm, he directed Apple into being two guys in a garage to a multi-billion dollar company. And it's just not the same without him. And uh, Apple, like, it's also, it's twofold, really. It's that Apple products simply aren't as revolutionary as they were underneath Steve. That and... Apple had an excellent marketing department in the early 2000s. Excellent. That's how they were able to market the iPod, the iPhone, all these products, and they made Apple cool. It was hip to be into technology. It used to be if you were into computers, you were a nerd in your parents' basement, you know? That was like even in the late 90s it was like that, before the Internet became a mainstream thing. And Apple showed that, you know, you could be hip and cool with using a smartphone or a computer. And, you know, it pretty much, Apple turned the cell phone into a fashion accessory by making an absolutely beautiful phone. But I agree with what the article says, though. I really think that other companies are beginning to catch up and, you know, try to be Me Too products. Yeah, like the topic is about to get to our next big segment. The article was written by James, hopefully I'm saying his name right, Cicero Ricky. Cicero Ricky. That sounds about right. Cicero Ricky. What is that, like Polish or something? My my home borough of Brooklyn, New York. So he's representing and um, 
I agree with him. Uh, a lot of his points. Um, uh, a couple of reasons he gave, like John mentioned earlier, the the Maps fiasco with Apple Maps. Um, uh, there was a a tepid launch for the iPhone 5. Um, Apple's competitor is doing a better job of making the kind of phone the customers want, like you just mentioned. Samsung Galaxy Note being a, a, a new leader in smartphones. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, and the Apple Store has also gained some competition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the thing, you know. Like, it was, I think it mentions it in here, actually. When the Apple Stores first opened, Business Week said, here's why the Apple Stores won't work. And that was, like, their main headline for when they opened back in 2001. Now, since Apple proved that retail stores could be a success when compared to other computer retailers like Gateway, mm-hmm. you know, remember the old Gateway Country stores that failed miserably? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it comes down to the thing where and now that Apple showed that retail could work, other companies are getting into retail. Microsoft has its retail stores. Google is rumored to be opening Chrome stores to showcase their products. Uh, Dow has their own kiosks and malls, you know. It shows that direct marketing, really, I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, marketing yourself directly to the customer and not relying on a store, it, it, you know, it could be beneficial. But I, like, I hate to say it, but Apple really is losing their steam. And this article perfectly shows why. I agree. Don't you agree? Yeah, I uh mm-hmm. Ah, and yeah. we actually agree for once. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. Maybe, uh, yeah, we should, we should tell Hilda. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, uh, yes. But, yeah, enough uh, of that story. Yeah, like, you have anything else to say, or should we close the book on that one? Let's close the book and move on to our favorite segment, well, our newer segment that we just recently started. Eventually, we'll have some sound effects, some music, but da 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 Let's get into it. The app uh, of the week. I have, an, I have an iPhone. John has an Android device. Uh, what's the exact name of the device? HTC, am, am I right? Uh, it's a Motorola, actually. I have a Motorola. Yeah. A Motorola, uh, and what's what's the full name? Motorola what? Uh, they call it the Motorola Click, C-L-I-Q, the Motorola Click. The C-L-I-Q, the Motorola Click. Time for app. Of the week. App of the week. I'm going to go first with the iPhone uh, device because more people have iPhones than Android phones, I would imagine. True, true. Um, mm-hmm. And what is the app of the week for iOS? Uh, well, this this week we have a special theme, like always. This week's theme is photography. And, uh, John, I don't know, have you seen the College Humor video related related to the app that I'm about to uh, say? I might have, because I love College Humor. Look at this Instagram. Have you seen that uh, College Humor, the music video? I have. What's it about? What's it about? Like, there's an Instagram College Humor video? Have you heard of the band band called, called Nickelback? Oh, yeah, I heard of Nickelback. Aren't they known for being terrible? <laughs> uh, maybe, but but anyway, the, the College Humor made this um, this music video. They made a great parody of one of Nickelback's songs, um, and you got to check it out. I'll send you the link um, mm-hmm. about Instagram, and look at this Instagram. So that is the iPhone and the iPod Touch, and I guess it's also an iPad. Uh, like, oh, no, you know, no, it's not an iPad. iPad. Yeah, like you got to use Padgram, which uh, like Instagram doesn't have an official app for iPad, but there's this great little alternative program called Padgram, which is a free app, and I think you can upgrade it for, like, uh, there's uh, different tiers of premium that you get extra features. The app is by... Pinsible Labs, and I use it, and it's really great. So that way you don't have to deal with the small little baby version of Instagram on your big tablet. 
you can just use Tabgram, and it works great. It's an Instagram viewer, I should add. You can't take Instagram pictures with it. That needs to be done in the actual app. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's great, though. But it comes down to the thing, though. We felt this week that everyone knows about Instagram, you know? And it's even though we gave it the honor of app of the week this week, we decided to give a second app of the week for people who want to try something a little bit different. Say you're getting tired of Instagram and you want to maybe go up a notch, you know, to something a little bit more professional. There's this other special app. You know what that app is, Klaus? Uh, for Android? Well, like, here's the thing. Like, this app, just like Instagram, is for both iPhone, iPod Touch, and Android. It's a cross-platform app, and this app is Flickr. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm, Flickr. I'm sure you've heard the name before, right? Yahoo Flickr. Yahoo Flickr. Mm Mm-hmm. Flickr, a great little app from Yahoo. Flickr is the top dog for it? Well, yeah, was the top. Dog. Is Yahoo the, uh, the the creator of um, this Flickr app? They are. They're the ones who built it, which so is very Yahoo cool. Yahoo LLC. I believe so. Yes. Let me check. Like uh, good old Yahoo LLC. Is that what they're being called now? Uh, let's see. Like I think that's what they are. It's a great little app, though. Yeah, Flickr by Yahoo. If you want to check out the app, it's available on the Apple iTunes App Store and in the Google Play Store. It's a free app with no in-app purchases, so it's completely free. But there is a, if you want to get a pro subscription, I think you can pay for that on the site, and that allows you to upload more a month and that kind of thing. And uh, it's a really hardcore professional app. It's competing head-on with Instagram with a bunch of cool filters, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, some tags on here, you know. Instead of liking photos like on Instagram, you mark them as favorites with a little star, and it's a really cool little app. If you guys oh, want to give it a try, I mm-hmm. just want to welcome one of our listeners. Right now, we have the Blue Zone Report listening to us on System Showdown. So that's awesome, the Blue Zone Report, one of our favorite shows. Right here on the Show Doc Network. You want to give them some love? Check it out at blogtalkradio.com slash BZR. Great little show, isn't that right? Definitely is, and uh, and the pleasure to have them on. They're in our chat room as well, so it's great to have them listening, tuning in, checking us out, and definitely check them out on Saturdays. Uh, stay posted to uh, their. Facebook page at facebook.com slash is it BZR, I believe. I, I um, don't think you're able to skip. I think we just got Blue Zone Report for the Facebook page, <laughs> unfortunately. But if you want to check out the full, like, uh, there's going to be a site really soon at bzr.showdoc.com. That's going to be the full official Blue Zone Report site. It's not done yet, but just coming soon, you know? Yeah, but it's actually my Mm-hmm. It's actually what, what, what? Facebook.com slash Blue Zone Report. So. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I just want to mention one quick thing real quick. Big Showdown news. If you guys check out our brand-new website, go to showdown.showdoc.com, and we completely revamped the site. We have a show blog now where we're going to be putting show notes about all the things we talk about. So if you get tired of listening to us, which you never could, or if you miss something that we said and you want to read more about it, just check the show blog. Also, you could read in a huge about page that was offered by the Quaz himself about how the show got started and a description of all of our segments. You have a brand new guest page where you could see all of our guests that we've ever had on the show along with what they've done and a link directly to the episode. And we have a brand-new history page where I compiled a list of all of our previous branding identities so you could see how the show's evolved over the years from 2007 to now. Because you want to hear the crazy thing, Claus? What? Our show – here's the crazy thing. 
Our show premiered May 18th, 2007. Coming up is going to be, what is it? That's six years, right? That's six years. Wow, that's a long time. We've been doing this for six years. Isn't that incredible? That is. Yeah, if you guys want to read our history, check out showdown.showdoc.com slash history. Oh, and finally, we're only up to episode 61, so does that mean we've done 10 episodes a year? That sounds about right, actually. I think that two-year break really got us, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but well, well rested, though, because I want to show you, actually, how you've seen the history page. Go to the history page right now and scroll down, and you'll see something I think that will make you laugh. The history page of Blog Talk Radio or show that? I sent you the link, and I go... Uh, I, I, we have a private chat going on where I get to send Quad links. Uh, oh. If you want to check out that page, it's showdown.showdown.com slash history. Take a look at it. It's pretty cool, actually. Okay, so. uh, do you remember that photograph on the bottom? Yeah, showdown.com. I'll check mm-hmm. that out. And, uh, yeah, I don't want... Like, <laughs> and also, like, I want to get mm-hmm. to a, quickly to our last topic with about five minutes left in the program, and then we're going to give, uh, we're going to update you on our listener count as well as on our um, archive count for uh, last last week's show. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that um, awesome? I remember, that's crazy. Where did you find that? I had it on my computer in the show, like in the showdown folder. I had a bunch of the old logos, and I found that we took. We took that at remember Apple Store, Pentagon City in Washington D.C. Yeah, wow. This is and this is Blog Talk Radio's beta look. Wow, remember when Blog Talk just started out? Oh yeah, like I have all kinds of old screenshots of our Blog Talk Radio page. Oh my God, isn't that cool? I have a it's a whole history of the show. And you updated it. Wow, that's an amazing site. Definitely yeah, check, check out it the out. Guest, check out the guest page. Go guests on the side. That's all of our guests in order of their appearance. Along with links to the episode. Well it's done, really John. Cool. John's a hard worker. Oh, yeah, it's so cool, isn't it? And so uh, we, haven't, what else? we haven't had a guest for eight episodes, but we'll, but we'll get back on that. So. Mm-hmm. Soon enough, soon enough. And our last guest, though, was a really great one, wasn't she? Good old Amanda oh, Condon. Yep. I mm-hmm. think she's still involved with uh, Sometimes Daily. So. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was a great interview. Uh, like, let's see. To close out, like, what was your favorite guest interview that we've done? I liked Annie Gauss. Annie uh, Gauss was great. That was, what, that was episode 48. She was the guest before Amanda Condon, which was a great interview. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of my favorite appearances, remember we had Patrick O'Keefe from Managing Online Forums? He came on twice, actually. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah. Sure was. But yeah, if you guys want to check out the new revamp website, do check it out. Showdown.showdoc.com. Listen to some of our older episodes. See how less squeaky our voices got since we were teenagers. <laughs> I cannot believe you've been doing this for six years. So you can see the puberty, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because, like, how old were we when we started this? That was six years ago. We had to be, like, 15? Yeah. That's crazy, yep. isn't it? That's insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, we got about uh, around a minute left in the program. Are there any closing thoughts? Um, um, don't get a nook. Don't get a nook. That's another thing, too. Barnes & Noble's in major trouble with their Nook division. We didn't get a chance to talk about that much. But do not get a Nook now. They look like they're in trouble. Get a Kindle instead. I have one. They're great. Trust me. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. we'll on, on that note, um, our show has gone from 16 live and 1,386. That's 1,386 archived. No way! You got thirteen hundred archive listeners. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, almost fourteen hundred. Uh, so uh, to twelve live listeners tonight, uh, there'll be many more in the archive. I, I imagine after that number from last week, our show has come to an end. 
episode 62 will probably be next Wednesday night. In March, John, it's almost daylight savings time, almost moving the clocks again. Um, mm-hmm. Stay tuned to our Twitter page and Facebook page updates on guests and topics. I'm Quas, the, the PC guy. And I'm John the Mac guy, and we wish everybody a tech-filled week until you get to join us again. So long. Good night. Peace out. Bye-bye. Bye. Quasman out.